Blog Talk Radio. afternoon to you. Uh, Michael Carter today joined by Justin Horowitz as Mike Bozich has the day off and we're here to present Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Friends of Maryland Standard Bread. Well, Justin, uh, we certainly appreciate you taking time to fill in. Uh, how's it going over there? It's going well. Glad to be with you guys today. Well, Justin, uh, some big news coming out of the Meadowlands and we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, but we're going to hear from new vocations today. Uh, Joel Benjamin is going to join us at about 115 to talk about 10wins10.com. Uh, it's a cool new little interactive game. They have seeded uh, with $10,000. If you can get 10 wins, 10 days in a, or a win each day for 10 days in a row, uh, you'll win a nice prize. We'll also talk with Ronnie Wren Jr. a little bit about 130. And then Mike Bozich sat down with Tom Kelly uh, last night, and we'll have that interview for you as well. But Justin, uh, some interesting news out of the Meadowlands about uh, a deal with. Sovala and the Elite Lop. Yeah, that's a very exciting uh, development for us at the Meadowlands. Uh, forming a partnership with Sovala Racetrack in Sweden, which is the host of the Elite Lop, one of the most prestigious trotting races in the world. And so what we're going to do at the Meadowlands on Mother's Day, which is May 8th, a special Sunday afternoon card at the Meadowlands, we're going to uh, race the Elite Lop uh, playoff. So basically what it is is a free-for-all trot. It's going to go for about 150000 and the winner of the Elite Lot playoff at the Meadowlands will receive an uh, invitation to race in the Elite Lot in Sweden, which is conducted um, May 29th. So uh, an opportunity for American, North American-based horses to basically get a, a, a spot in one of the world's great races um, and build some hype for the event. Um, another thing that's pretty exciting is the Meadowlands card um, will be simulcast to Sweden, and uh, there's a possibility that the Elite Lot playoff will be part of the V75 wager, which uh, historically um, you know, attracts more than $10 million uh, a week um, 
in Sweden. So it's a huge, huge wager, gets a major attention throughout the country, and to have a race from the Meadowlands be part of that sequence for the first time would certainly be huge. And really just laying the groundwork for a great partnership of international cooperation, and that's a, a way to grow our game um, internationally, which is uh, an avenue that's been tackled, but certainly there's a lot more opportunity for growth there. Now, Justin, I see that the V75 um, attracts more than 10 million in wagers. I saw uh, kind of the payouts last year during the Elite Lap. Uh, basically, all the V75 is is basically like a pick seven, right? Yes. And uh, it has a low like a base seven. minimum, kind of, you know, kind of plays off of the lottery style bet. And that's why it's so popular, especially in Sweden. And you can play it, you know, everywhere around the country. And it's the type of wager that, um, you know, everyone pays attention to, similar to the way, you know, in, in our country, everyone watches the Powerball or Mega Millions drawings. All right. Well, so that, that'll be uh, interesting to look forward to. Also, Justin, is the Breeders' Crown is coming back to the Meadowlands uh, in 2016. And that's the. Uh, I'm looking at the dates now. It's the end of October, correct? Yeah, we're actually uh, going to be racing um, in September and October this year at the Meadowlands um, for the first time. Um, so it's kind of a new meet. Normally, you know, after Hambletonian in August, um, you don't see live racing at the Meadowlands for the, the harness racing until we reopen in November. Um, but now we're going to race a September meet um, that'll go September to October. Um, it'll also include some thoroughbred racing, some split cards that'll have thoroughbred racing and harness racing on the same card. Um, but what this allows us to do is to race the Breeders' Crown in October. Last time we hosted it was in November. It's kind of late in the year after the long grind of stake season. It's tough to have horses still on the top of their game um, by the end of November. So this allows the Breeders' Crown to be positioned at a better time on the calendar and you know, makes a great event even better when it's at the Meadowlands. Well, Justin, that sounds like a, a lot of fun. You guys have a big year ahead of you, and uh, we're definitely excited to follow along. Well, Justin, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, uh, we're going to hear from New Vocations. They had a breeding auction uh, here recently. I think it's still going on. We'll hear from them in just a moment. When we come back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Every dream has a start, and this one is ours. To trot and pace fast, faster than all the others, and maybe faster than any horse ever has. With every stride, 1,200 pounds of pure equine determination. In every turn, there's a tale. Every bet is a hope. No five-year returns, no annuities, 401ks. Return on investment comes in seconds. Maybe they say that the odds are against you. But you know nothing great comes easy. Winners don't second-guess. They sprint through openings and dig in deeper when the going's tough. No horse ever rides alone. The owners, the driver, the groom, and you... There are no sidelines here. The world is often full of many compromises, but not here. Not on this day. Not in this race. Not with this horse. Not in this sport. Once you feel it, it becomes you. Once you become it, your dream becomes ours. This is Harness Racing. We welcome you to the Harness Racing Fan Zone. See it all for yourself. 
feel it in all the passion. Share that experience with others and be a part of it all. The Harness Racing Fan Zone puts you in the driver's seat. Did you know a MagnaWave treatment can relieve pain, reduce inflammation, improve movement, and increase blood oxygen? Call Maria Ringler, a certified MagnaWave practitioner, at 302-922-0917 to schedule your appointment today at your own barn. Like our Facebook page, The Essential Touch LLC, and check out our website, TheEssentialTouchLLC.com. Catch the wave. Hi, I'm Winnie Morgan Nemeth. I have a new vocation with New Vocations Resource Adoption Program, and I am the Standard Bread Program Director. Um, new Vocation specializes in retraining, rehabbing, and rehoming retired racehorses. Um, we focus on Standard Breads and Thoroughbreds, and we have placed over 5,000 horses since we were founded in 1992. Currently going on, we have one of our largest Standard Bread fundraisers, and that is our annual, our 18th annual stallion auction. We have a great lineup of studs, over 85 available, and you can view them at ongate.com. Our auction started on February 8th, and it's going to go through February 12th. Um, and you can go to the website and see where the stallions currently are. We have breedings to Donato Hanover, Muscles Yankee, Wild Set, Conway Hall, Yankee Cruiser, a Rock and Roll Dance, Big Bad John many, many more, but you can look on there and see, and as I said, the stallion auction will close on February 12th, so you can view it at ongate.com. So as I said, we have been rehoming standard reds for many years, and in looking at that, I really wanted to focus on how we could get the word out on the racetrack. And on the thoroughbred side, the jockeys will wear things on their pants, and, and we had John Velasquez wearing new vocations in some of his big races. So as I saw that happening, I wanted to reach out to some of our top harness drivers to give them the chance to wear newvocations.org. And we started with Tim Petrick, and he was our first driver. And from there, we picked up Ronnie Wren Jr., Aaron Merriman, Ryan Anderson, Drew Monty, Jason Bartlett, Trace Petrick and Tony Morgan. So what that has done is really raise awareness to trainers and owners that are at the track to inquire to the driver maybe what new vocations is or if that driver is driving a horse that's going to retire, perhaps has an injury, isn't going to make it, they can let them know how they can contact our organization and how we can help place their horse into a new home. To find out more information about New Vocations, you can visit our website at newvocations.org. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at New Vocations. But by going to our website, you can uh, learn how to donate your horse, how to support the program, and also how to find out more about our science options. Yes, and we just heard from New Vocations, and uh, the Standard Bread Rehoming Program that they've got is uh, is a good one uh, that I've seen. I saw a couple of horses here from Northfield, and it's uh, nice to see that they're doing uh, a little bit of breeding work as well, trying to get some of their sires out there. 
Yeah, that's a, a wonderful program. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people outside of our sport don't realize how wonderful the standard bread is and um, how versatile it is. And, you know, you see people riding standard breads, and that's something that I don't think the general public knows you can do. And they're so calm and they're so nice. And uh, it's just a wonderful program. And Winnie, I've, I've met her several times when she's come out to the Meadowlands, and they just do such a wonderful job for all the horses. Well, Justin, uh, coming on now is uh, Joel Benson. And uh, Joel is uh, one of the founders of 10 Wins 10. Joel, welcome to the program, man. Thank you. Good to be on. Now, Joel, tell us a little bit about 10wins10.com, how it works, and uh, how did you guys come up with this idea? Well, first I'll tell you a little bit about the idea. I've been – I own a a, a stable, J.L. Benson Stables. I've been in the business now for about uh, 11 years. And I'm a marketing person by trade. I I own a company that does consumer brand marketing for major companies like L'Oreal and Humana, companies like that. And I know that the racing industry needs to get a lot younger. And if we don't get new younger players, we're going to be in big trouble. We already are. So where are young people these days? They're on the Internet. They're playing games. They're doing fantasy sports and what have you. And I haven't found yet that racing's been able to use the Internet to get young people to learn about racing and then come to the track. So I devised a game on the Internet called 10 Wins 10, which very simply allows the first person that can pick 10 races in a row will win $10,000. Where that $10,000 comes from, I, I put it up personally because that's that's how I feel about racing, and that's how I want to see more people get involved in the racing business, especially the younger people. The game is free. It's it's at www.10wins10.com. There's no charge at all. In fact, we don't even use credit cards. It's It's that free. And we invite everybody to come and play the game. Try to try to pick the ten winners in a row. I know it's difficult. Uh, our top person so far has gotten four races, four days in a row. They've won. Uh, we've only been doing this for this is our ninth day, and we already have over two thousand players from all around the world, and we're looking for more. That's a great start, Joel. Uh, Justin Horowitz here with you. Um, so, ten wins in a row. I mean, I think most. Um, Hardcore handicappers uh, and newbies know how hard it is to pick one race in a row. So uh, to pick 10 in a row, obviously, it's going to be very difficult. But how do you keep um, new players interested, um, you know, if they're not picking two in a row or three in a row? How do you keep them interested on a day-to-day basis? And um, and how do you maybe get them to go from the Internet behind their computer to actually go out to the track and see racing live? Okay, that's a great question. First of all, the, the, 10, the 10 Wins 10 program is a pilot test that we're developing that's going to be running for the next two months. After that, it's going to morph into a larger game called 20 Wins a Million, where we're going to be working with racetracks across the country. Each track is going to uh, be part of the game. And as people win as little as three or four races in a row, they'll begin to win prizes. Now, at the beginning, let's, hypothetically, let's say uh, – one of the tracks offers, uh, if you can pick four races in a row, you'll win a free $10 wager at the track. Or if you win five, five or six games races in a row, you might be able to win a free clubhouse dinner at the track. So every prize that a player wins on their way to 20 for, the, for our big game, the 20 wins a million game, which will be coming in the summer, 
drives them to the track because they have to go to the track to pick up their prize. So if a player has won four or five races in a row and has won a free dinner at the track, by the time they get there, they're going to feel pretty good. They've already picked five (laughs) races in a row. They feel like they know what they're doing. And now they're at the track picking up their prize. That's going to make them a wager or a future wager in our industry. So the whole part, the whole, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, go right ahead. You're good. The the essence of our game, we we have free handicapping on the site. Um, we give we give the new player as much instruction as we possibly can about how to pick, how to handicap horses, and then they're on their own to make their own picks. And if we're successful, we will bring thousands of thousands of young people to the racetracks after they've learned how to play the game, and then they go to the track and they'll be our new wagers of the future. Now, uh, Joel, I've seen, and I've actually played a couple of days, uh, I've seen that it's Thoroughbred and Harness. Uh, what came up with the, uh, who came up with the mixture and, you know, to kind of mix things up a little bit? Well, we wanted, we wanted new people to get a, a, a good flavor of both sports, of both Thoroughbred and Harness racing. So if we find a good race on a Tuesday afternoon at a, at a Gulfstream Park in Florida, then Thoroughbred, then we'll take it. And then the next day we might take a harness race. So we try we try to go 50-50 between harness and thoroughbred to give everybody a good flavor for what the game is all about. But once we start our bigger game in the summer, like let's hypothetically let's say it was at uh, the Meadowlands, it would just be a harness racing program. So if someone signs up that they live in the in the Meadowlands area and they they list Meadowlands as their home track. They'll only be picking harness races from the Meadowlands Park and picking up their prizes at Meadowlands. So that so wouldn't make sense. Uh, wouldn't make wouldn't make sense for anybody to play in Florida and pick Meadowlands as their home track because they'd never be able to go up and pick up their prizes. It's all sure, localized. Sure. So so far, I know you're just uh, you know a couple weeks into it, but as far as getting the word out to this the the millennials that this game even exists and, and how it is. What's been and what's kind of the plan for that? Because I know it's it's so often these great ideas come out, but then it's hard to get the word out to those people that you're trying to attract and there's so much out there on the internet and, and how do you how do you stand out and get those millennials to, you know, see this game and figure it out and, and get them to try to play? What's kind of the strategy there? This this is a social media program. We are we are boosting on Facebook. We're specifically going after fantasy league players. Uh, we're going after male and female, eight, 18 to 30. And we're going after musicians. We're going after dance dancers. Uh, we have lists and lists and lists of young people that use the internet that are in those areas, and that's that's our major target. Then on top of that, we're asking, we're asking drivers and jockeys and grooms in the industry. They can play the game, too, by the way. It, it's open for anybody. That $10,000 prize can be won by, a, by a, a driver or a jockey or any, any horseman because we pick so many different tracks all around the country. It doesn't, no one really has an advantage over picking a race. So we ask our industry to get involved. They tell people. And it's amazing what the Internet can do. We've, we've had over 35,000 hits just in the past three days. Now, uh, Joel, real quick, um, where can they uh, – where can – let's say, say I'm playing, and uh, is there a leaderboard or somewhere where I can see, you know, who – you know, oh, well, Joel's got five wins in a row. I, you know, maybe I need to step up my game a little bit. 
Absolutely. Every day we do have a leaderboard, and we post all the leading players. So if, if you've got two wins in a row and you want to see who's above you, uh, you just go to the leaderboard and it'll tell you not only who's, who's leading, but it'll also tell you who their picks are for the next one or two days. And, and by the way, I should, I should add that at the end of the program, if nobody wins the $10,000, we are going to give a $500 consolation prize to the player that had the longest streak if no one gets, if no one gets up to 10. Uh, do you see um, so much of these uh, fantasy games and is, is about building communities and, and um, you know, getting people you know, that are interested in the same thing to connect um, via this game. Is there a thought or a way through the game that, you know, if I'm, uh, you know, I live in New Jersey and someone else lives in New Jersey, is there a way to, like, that they can connect or they can chat or they can message each other and, you know, maybe you start, uh, you know, bringing strangers together, but they have a common interest of racing and, you know, maybe they start going to the track together. Is there a way um, through the game that people can do that? There will be a way in the future, in, in the larger game, once we, once we expand to the 20 wins a million, to the, what we call the big game, mm -hmm. because the beauty of what we have is that all of the players opt in when they first register. Opting in means that we have their email addresses and they accept our mails and, and our correspondence. So once we get to the second stage, we'll be able to send out daily notices. Uh, let's say if one of the tracks wants to have a special night, a Friday night where they're going to, going to have special um, handicap classes or, or people meeting other people, that will happen in the bigger game. And that will happen because we have Internet access. Well, we're talking with Joel Benson right now, the uh, one of the co-founders of 10wins10.com, and he's actually put up the uh, $10,000 uh, to the winner uh, if they can select. Now, you, you mentioned that you'd be giving out a consolation prize if it wasn't selected by the end of the program. When is the end of this uh, contest? Uh, it, we're looking at the end of March right now. It's scheduled for March the 30th. So everybody still has plenty of time between between now and March March the 30th to make their to get their 10 picks. And by the way, if, any, if a player loses at any time, let's say your streak is at three and you lose, it's not a problem. You can start playing again the very next day, but your streak goes back to zero. Very cool. Well, Joel, uh, real quick, uh, let, let the fans know uh, where they can find you guys at and uh, on social media as well. Okay, well, our site is at www.10, it's the number 10, wins, W-I-N-S, and once again, the number 10.com. So it's 10wins10.com. And we have a Facebook page also under 10wins10.com. Well, Joe, we, uh, we certainly appreciate you taking time out of the day to join us. And uh, listen, we hope that uh, you guys succeed and hopefully somebody gets to 10. I would love it. It would be great publicity if somebody could pick those 10 in a row. We're happy to, happy to give that prize out as our grand prize. And as long as we get new, young, fresh blood in the industry – that's that's what it's all about, and that's why this game was developed. Well, we appreciate your time, Joel. Thanks for joining. Okay, pleasure. Thank you for having me on. No problem. That was Joel Benson, uh, one of the co-creators of 10wins10.com. And, Justin, I'll tell you, that it, you know what? It's a fun little game I've gotten on and kind of played around with it, and it's uh, it's an interesting new way to try to get some new blood in. Yeah, obviously, um, you know, people – 
you know, our age and millennials, um, you know, we're on the internet, we're on our phones, and that's really the way you reach people. It's it's too expensive and it's too hard to, you know, go the traditional route through TV or, um, you know, newspapers. Even I mean, that's that's old fashioned beyond belief. But um, you know, I, I wish the best for this. This is what our game needs. We need more fans. We need younger people. We need people that are excited, and you know, we need to get people, um, you know, comfortable with and learning about how to gamble on our sport. Because at the end of the day, um, that's really what it's all about. Yeah, definitely. The handle numbers uh, definitely help. And the fact that they, when they come with this 20 wins, uh, a million uh, series in March, uh, that they'll be working and partnering with some of the racetracks, I think that'll help uh, potentially get some uh, people to the racetrack. Yeah, absolutely. And I I really like the idea of, you know, being able to connect with people. Um, you know, I'm sure lots of people I know personally, you know, you, you've met them through Twitter, you know, and, and you, you've never met these people in person, but you share a love of horse racing. And, um, you know, I've actually met quite a few people at the racetrack at various times that I only knew through Twitter. And it was uh, through horse racing that we connected. And so I think this game is another great way for people um, who might not know each other, they connect through horse racing and they come out to the track because coming out to the track with a group of people, of course, is way more fun than coming by yourself. So I hope that game, um, you know, brings a lot of people together as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, Justin, coming up at the bottom of the hour, we've got Ronnie Wren Jr., the 2013 and 14 uh, North American Dash Driving Champion. And, uh, of course, he's a local guy here at Northfield Park. We'll have that at the bottom of the hour after this quick timeout. Hey everybody, Ryan Macedonio here, host of the Trotcast. My special guest interview this week is Jimmy Bernstein. Jimmy Bernstein is the owner and breeder of 2015 Horse of the Year Wiggle It Jiggle It. And in honor of this special guest interview, I'm going to do something that's great for radio. I'm going to dance. Download the Trotcast with Ryan Macedonio. Google it. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Justin Horowitz, your special guest host, along with Mike Carter, and we're getting set to speak one of the top young drivers in all of the sport, Ronnie Wren Jr. We've already talked with Joel Benson and heard from New Vocations. Uh, looking forward to speaking with Ronnie Wren. I haven't had the chance to talk to him before, so uh, kind of have some questions for him. I'm excited to talk to him here. Yeah, definitely. He uh, he scored his 3,000 victory, and I'm you know I kind of kid with him a little bit, Justin, because uh, I called the races at Northfield on set on Saturday night. And I, I told him, I said, he won his 3,000th race in the very last race on Wednesday night. I said, what, you couldn't wait till Saturday until <laughs> I got up there? <laughs> so it'll be, there you uh, go. it'll be interesting to talk with him about that and, uh, you know, how you know how he feels about it. I know 3,000 uh, doesn't sound like a lot, but at the rate that he wins at Northfield, uh, you know, 100 could come in a month for him. Yeah, there's so much racing. uh 
opportunities for those guys, and, and they sure work hard. It, it's pretty amazing to see how many races these guys compete in on a daily basis, and uh, it's just nonstop, and they pile up wins and bunches. You know, out here in, in New Jersey at the Meadowlands, you know, we don't uh, see a lot of uh, Ohio racing on a regular basis, um, but I think what I'm really excited to hear about Ronnie Wren is, is – how much um, he thinks about making the move to the East Coast and how important that is and, and how important it is to win some of those big grand circuit races because, um, you know, out here that's what we all, you know, we focus on, races like the Hamiltonian and the Meadowlands Pace. And, um, you know, are those the races he wants to win or is, you know, being an Ohio guy is a little brown jug really at the top of his list? I'd be curious to hear that. Yeah, definitely, Justin. Well, it was really cool to see uh, Aaron Merriman in the Hamiltonian uh, Oaks last year. So uh, we're gonna actually going to talk to Ronnie right now, Ronnie uh, Wren Jr. joining the program. Ronnie, thanks for taking time out of your day to sit down and talk with us a little bit. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, Ronnie, uh, first off, congratulations on your 3,000th victory. Uh, I, I was just telling Justin, I called the races on Saturday, and you, 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 know, you just couldn't wait for Saturday to get your 3,000. But uh, I did get to call 3,001. Uh, what was it like to get to 3,000? Uh, it was pretty cool, you know, but it was just uh, just another win. But, um, no, I was glad to get it. And to me, it really didn't matter when I got it. I know I had some family coming in on the last Saturday, so they were hoping that I would uh, wait one more night or two more nights. But it just didn't work out that way. <laughs> Now, Ronnie, you've kind of, you know, taken the the sport by storm. You've piled up wins in bunches. You know, you haven't been doing this for a whole lot of years and, um, you know, already making a name for yourself. But I want to take you back to last September 12th at Scioto Downs. Um, I, was, is that the biggest day of your career? You won the, the Ewart Memorial with Duop Hanover, a couple of uh, Ohio Sire Stake finals, the Steck Memorial, four big stakes wins on one night. Is that is that as good as you've had it on one night in harness racing? Definitely for, like, purse earnings, um, it was probably the most memorable night up. Hopefully, maybe won't ever have, but um, as far as my career's been so far, yeah. But uh, it was a great night. You know, things just worked out. Um, <laughs> horses were always in good spots throughout the night, and I drove some really live horses that night. But it'll be a night I definitely won't forget. Um, another one I'm, I'm curious to know, so you won, you know, a grand circuit race there with Duop Hanover. Um, out in Ohio, I mean, what are the races that you most, you know, want to win in your career? As an Ohio guy, is it the Little Brown Jug or, um, you know, is it, you know, coming out east and races like the Hamiltonian and the Meadowlands Pace and the North America Cup? Uh, for me, it'd be the Little Brown Jug. You know, maybe a uh, few more years from now, I might change my mind. Uh, uh, some of the older guys, like Aaron Merriman, would rather win the Hambo now than the Little Brown Jug. <laughs> For me, it'd be the little brown jug. Um, I just love the atmosphere and, you know, being an Ohio guy is definitely on my list. And, you know, it'd be fun to do it for a, a guy that I usually drive for in Ohio. So maybe one day. Now, Ronnie, uh, I want to take go back uh, maybe to growing up. And how did you get into the sport? And uh, how did you get your start driving <laughs> and working with horses? Um, When I was younger, I was around it a little bit, but then, my dad got out of the business for a little bit, so I, I really wasn't around it. Um, I played sports throughout high school and didn't really want to go to the barn. But once I started college and was delivering pizzas, actually, I remember calling my aunt and wanted to come work for her and my uncle Pete. Pete Wren, he, he's a driver in Indiana, and she said, yeah, come on out. 
and I start working the next day. And, you know, I, I really didn't like to clean stalls and, you know, do all that kind of work. I, I really enjoyed being on the track, whether it was zero degrees or, you know, a nice sunny day. And I loved to sit behind the horse. And I guess I got the bug, you, you know, everyone calls it. And um, it just kind of took off. Now, did I hear that correctly? You were delivering pizzas, so you went from pizza delivery boy to the dash-winning driver in all of uh, North America. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I, you know, I, I played sports. I played college sports and delivered pizzas for my job throughout college. And um, <laughs> I know it's a little bit of a different job, but uh, no, uh, you know, it, it wasn't overnight. You know, when I first started driving in Michigan, I had some luck real early, and then, you know, then I definitely. Uh, took a year or two to get some live horses and you know it, it takes a while to learn you know you, I would say it's like at least a thousand starts before you actually know what you're doing out there um and I'm still learning but uh you know things have worked out I fell into a great place to drive in uh Northfield and throughout Ohio and um you know I'm very thankful for that now Ronnie you've uh you've had two uh straight four million dollar seasons team though you had the uh, I don't know if you want to call it a luxury, but uh, battling with Aaron Merriman uh, on December 31st at Sports Creek. What was that night like for you, uh, coming down nose-to-nose, trying to get those last couple of victories? Um, it was a lot of fun. You know, it, it was great to do it in, like, the backyard to where I grew up because I actually lived in Sports Creek or uh, Schwartz Creek for uh, a while when I was younger. So, you know, like, Sports Creek has a – you know, kind of a special spot in my heart, and it was great to be there that night and um, compete in the for the title. And you know, like going into that night, I think I was up by a few wins, and I definitely probably had a better card than Aaron, so it kind of played in my favor. But you know, being from Michigan, I guess it kind of helped. But you know, I play in his backyard every night, so it was nice to have one night of racing from where I where I'm from. Now, uh, now, Ronnie, racing at Northfield, um, you know, we watched that. That's very exciting racing on a regular basis at Northfield. Uh, you know, a lot of speed, a lot of aggressive drivers there. Is, is that your best strength as a driver is being aggressive, or is there some other um, quality about you that you think makes has made you so successful? I can be, and, like, you know, a lot of people look at me as being an aggressive driver that loves the front end, and I do. I like controlling the fractions in the race. And especially at Northfield, it's a half mile. You almost have to go forward off the gate because if not, there's going to be some bad outer float usually or you're going to be stuck in because they move early. But if you watch my style at Scioto, I think I drive a lot different. Um, I drive a lot more off the pace at a 5.8. And at Scioto, there's almost more aggressive drivers, so you almost have to unless you kind of just fall into the lead because a horse can leave a, you know, a quarter and 25 seconds. But uh, even dating back to, like, Hazel Park, I, I always drove a lot off the pace. Um, and that's kind of where I really learned how to drive. Um, so I don't know. I think I can do it either way. It just depends on the horse. Now, uh, Ronnie, you've driven, uh, some very nice horses, uh, throughout the years, but is there one or two that might maybe stick out in your head? Um, well, my favorite trotter to drive is Victory is coming. You know, she's a nice mare that, <laughs> you know, when she, she beats up on the Ohio bread year in, year out, because right now she's as much the best, but that's probably going to change pretty fast with all this, these sires in Ohio. But uh, uh, she's probably my, my favorite trotter to drive. Um, I've drove a couple of nice pacers the last couple of years, 
you know, I drove Duop Hanover last year, and I only drove him once. And I drove a mare by the name of Better Love Next Time, Virgil Morgan trains. She's a nice horse. Um, you know, owned by Dan Mitchell. He's actually from Michigan. So I look forward to driving her. And I've drove a couple others um, that I like, too. Uh, racing in Ohio, um, I have a couple questions. One, you know, obviously with the, the slots and everything, it's a great time to be racing in Ohio. Um, as somebody who's, you know, kind of grown up in the Midwest and seen things when they weren't as good as they are right now, um, how, how exciting does that make you as a young guy who's, you know, really got the whole sport in front of you right now, um, you know, to be racing in Ohio and, and see everything that's kind of on the horizon there for you? I'm just very happy and very thankful that I'm able to drive horses for a living because, you know, just a few years ago I was racing at Hazel Park, driving 10 hours up the running aces. I really didn't know what I was going to be doing um, for a career, and I thought I might have to go back to college. I was starting to uh, have success in business, but, you know, Michigan was on the decline, and I knew it wasn't really, like, uh reasonable to be driving 10 hours to running aces and then back home to race at Hazel Park two nights a week. So I really wasn't sure. And, you know, I decided to try Northfield Park the fall of 2012. And, you know, it just it worked out. Like a couple of Michigan trainers came down the same time I did. And, um, you know, I was able to drive for them and have success. And then it kind of just picked up from there. And uh, I'm just very thankful for that. Now, Ronnie, uh, we're looking ahead to 2016. Who are there any horses? I know you're excited for Victory coming to come back, but is there any other horses or races that maybe you're looking forward to that maybe uh, that maybe you might have a horse ready for, such as maybe a Grand Circuit race? Um, you know, I I'm really not at the Grand Circuit level yet. Hopefully, soon. You know, like I said, with the Ohio bred getting better, hopefully that's a possibility. But um. No, I don't have any Grand Circuit horses, but definitely some Ohio breads that I'm looking forward to driving for, uh, you know, Jim Daly and Brian Brown. I drove quite a bit for those two trainers last year. and um, So I'm, look, I'm looking forward to those Ohio breads, but nothing on the Grand Circuit level yet, but hopefully soon. <laughs> Uh, Ronnie, I know uh, last year, I think it was, you came out to Pocono Downs, um, just just briefly, um, but coming out to the East Coast, is that is that something long-term that, you know, you aspire to, to, you know, kind of test yourself um, against some of those guys, or are you happy being in Ohio and, and, and you know, piling up all the wins that you, uh, that you keep piling up? Um, I'm just happy that I'm making money. You know, the wins are great, <laughs> but I'm just glad I'm making a good living. That's the number one thing I'd want to do, but you know, it would have to I'd have to have a good opportunity. You know, if I was able to, like, you know, a trainer, a good trainer called me up and said, "Hey, would you like to come drive all my horses at the Yonkers or the Meadowlands?" I might consider it. Meadowlands only races two nights a week, and Scioto Downs, Miami Valley, go for a lot of money in Ohio. So I don't know if it'd be necessarily a smart move for me. Um, I don't think I just want to pick up and move out there and drive a bunch of long shots. I don't really think that would help my career at all. So, I don't know. Like, when I went to Poconos last year, I didn't intend on staying. I just, it was kind of like late spring, just before Scioto was opening, and there wasn't really much going on on the weekend. So, <clears throat> I decided to go out there and just give it a shot. I've never been out there and, you know, kind of, you know, meet a few trainers out there and just get, 
get my name out there. And, um, so I, I really don't know. I'm, I'm happy in Ohio right now, but you know, it's in this business, it can change overnight. So I don't want to say one thing and then tomorrow I'll be saying, going to drive. Down. Absolutely. But yeah. Well, Ronnie, uh, we certainly appreciate you taking time out of the day. I know you've been under the weather the last couple of days, but uh, we had to deal with the snow big time last night. And uh, so I know you got a full, uh, you know, a couple of days off and you come back on Saturday to drive some more, but uh, we certainly appreciate you taking time out of the day to join us. I actually, I'm going up to your neck of wood. I'm going to Buffalo on Friday, but uh, yeah, I will, I will be uh, back to Northfield on Saturday. So thanks for having me guys. No, I appreciate it. No problem. That was Ronnie Thank Rand you. Jr., the uh, 2013 and 14 North America uh, Dash Driving Champion. And Justin, he he's just, you know, he's a great young man to talk to in general. I've talked to him in person a couple of times. But, uh, you know, just to have uh, – he's got a lot of respect for the business, and that, that definitely helped him out. Absolutely. You know, and he's got a great family that's been involved in, in harness racing. And, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, I'm curious, always curious about, you know, what the end game for is. Cause you know, there's some guys who are happy to, um, you know, pile up wins and be the top dog. And then there's some guys that aspire, you know, to those big stakes wins with the big purses. So, um, I think he's handling it the right way. Like you said, it takes a lot to learn and get that experience. And I think, you know, being in Ohio gives you that opportunity to get a ton of seat time. And, you know, when the time's right, um, he'll make the move to the grand circuit. And I, I definitely think he's a guy that will be able to make that move in the future. Well, Justin, uh, I tell you, I don't know where the last 40 minutes has gone, but uh, coming up next, we're going to, we're going to talk with Tom Kelly. Uh, Mike Bozich actually spoke with him uh, last night and he has the interview ready for us. We come back. We're going to hear from Essential Touch. Don't forget, you can save 20% with Essential Touch just by letting them know you heard it right here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. We'll be right back. Did you know a MagnaWave treatment can relieve pain, reduce inflammation, improve movement, and increase blood oxygen? Call Maria Ringler, a certified MagnaWave practitioner, at 302-922-0917 schedule your appointment today at your own barn like our facebook page essential touch llc check out our website the essential touch llc.com catch the wave mike bozich here for post time with mike and mike and we're visiting now with the director of harness operations tom kelly from uh, Hawthorne Racecourse. And, uh, Tom, we certainly appreciate you joining us on the show, and you guys certainly have to be happy with the way this uh, winter Hawthorne meet has gone. Yes, most definitely. And, uh, first of all, uh, happy to join you, Mike. Uh, happy to make your acquaintance uh, as uh, you came into Hawthorne to do a little work for us, uh, uh, announcing at the meet. And, yes, it was a very, very successful meet uh, in every phase just uh, the, from the uh, betting windows to the amount of horses that came through there to the, uh, the prices that paid uh, for some of these gimmicks, 20-cent gimmicks, we're paying uh, four digits regularly. It was just absolutely amazing for a uh, January and a little bit of February meet uh, that we were able to pull it off and be this successful. Yeah, some very competitive races, and we'll get to that in just a moment, Tom, but kind of like I, I like to ask everybody that joins us on the Post Time with Mike and Mike show, because it's very, it's, it's very different in, in each and every case, whether you interview drivers, trainers, uh, announcers, management, whoever you, 
you talk to, it seems like that everybody's got a different start, or everybody had a different start in the business. What what was your uh, tell us about the formative years of uh, one Tom Kelly? Well, I basically started out. Uh, I was working for a company uh, called Sports Phone. We did all the nine seven six numbers. If if some of the old timers out there are for still familiar with that type of thing, uh, before the internet came in and killed us, uh, we, we would do sports. We would do racing. We would do lottery. We'd do wrestling, uh, astrology, every, everything you can possibly think of. And uh, I was actually out at the racetrack for them, uh, uh, covering the races, calling in race results, and uh, started working uh, at Balmoral, which is that was closer to my my house. Um, and was working in the press box up there, just calling in the results, and then got to know uh, Jim Hannon, who was their publicity director at the time. And Jim asked me to kind of help him out with a couple of things. And uh, from there, started the uh, initial version of uh, Kelly's Corner, which was just a little handicapping uh, section of the, uh, the pro betting program each night. And everything uh, kind of just snowballed from there. And uh, 30 years later, there I was, but still there. Now, Tom, uh, talking about some of the Hawthorne meet expectations going in, it was a little bit of a question mark. I mean, first of all, you had the you know the track conversion that had to take place, and and I got there uh, you know a couple of days before the meet started, and I have to tell you that these guys were working day and night on this racetrack, getting it, of course, converted over from uh, harness to thoroughbred. And I have to ask you, what were some of the uh, comments on that? Did, it, did the horsemen like the surface? What feedback did, did you get about the, the racetrack itself? We had nothing, nothing but positive uh, from the horsemen about the uh, condition of the track. And that first weekend uh, was kind of our worst weekend in the way of uh, weather-wise because we got hit with a lot of rain that opening weekend. And uh, that uh, kind of did a, a little number on the racetrack, but uh, they stayed after it. They were able to get plenty of cushion down on it and uh, plenty of material. None of the horsemen complained. The footing was great, and after that, uh, a little moisture in it actually turned out uh, to help it. Uh, the weather stayed warm enough to where the track didn't freeze underneath, and uh, that's always a big thing come winter time. I know track superintendents absolutely hate when uh, when that happens, but we uh, we stayed mild, and uh, the horsemen loved it, and it was reflected in the times of the miles as they got uh, gradually faster each and every week. Now, what were some of the expectations going in? I mean, as far as maybe the betting handle, as far as maybe the horse supply. I mean, a little bit of a question mark. Although you did have Belmore, which you know, so there wasn't really too big of a gap as far as uh, the time is concerned. What were some of you guys' expectations coming in? Well, I think we absolutely outdid our expectations. We ended up uh, averaging nine hundred sixteen thousand uh, handle, fifty thousand on site, and. Out-of-state was over uh, 776000 which during the winter months I think is pretty darn good. I mean, you can run into weather throughout the country. People have a tough time getting to wherever they, uh, they like to go to bet the races, but uh, they managed to turn out. We ended up betting $20 million total on the meet. I don't think anybody expected that. Uh, it was We were hoping for somewhere in the maybe low to mid-800,000 uh, level. And uh, when we ended up with 916,000 uh, as an average, I think everybody was quite happy. Visiting with Tom Kelly, Director of Harness Operations for uh, Hawthorne Racecourse. And, uh, Tom, you talked about the big handle numbers. Uh, what, do you, what do you think attributed to that the most? 
Well, I think it was very competitive racing. I think some new faces and uh, definitely some new conditions that uh, our race secretary, Pete Hanley, wrote. Uh, it was provided for some very competitive races. I just think people uh, were wanted a change, whether it be the horseman, whether it be the horse player. Uh, I think they both wanted change, and the Hawthorne Oval always played very fair. I don't think there was a, a night out there that you could really say there was a complete bias to somebody up front or from the back, you know, coming from the back of the pack. I think the track stayed very fair, and uh, when gamblers get that, uh, I think they're ready to chunk it in with both hands. You know, looking forward to May, Tom. Uh, you know, first of all, we'll look at it from a handicapping perspective. Now, you know, players have had a, a month to uh, look at the Hawthorne uh, meet, and I guess it would kind of be different because now you're going to be dealing with a lot warmer weather as opposed to some of the colder weather that uh, Hawthorne had in January. But if there's any advice that maybe you can give to a handicapper of something to look for maybe that would give them an edge uh, when it starts the spring-summer meet, uh, what would you say to them? Well, I would definitely look for horses that have continued to race uh, throughout this break. It's going to be about three months that we're uh, we're dark, and uh, a good little break is probably uh, due to a lot of these horses. They could uh, they've been going at it nonstop here. The Chicago Circuit's pretty much been an eleven or twelve month circuit for the last few years now. So some of these horses are going to need a little break, but I would definitely look for horses that have a start or two under their belt, possibly out of out of town. I'm sure that's where it's going to have to be. Um, we're going to have a tough time trying to figure out how to get horses qualified uh, for the start of the meet. Some of the things we're looking at are the possibilities of using a couple of the farms that are USTA sanctioned out uh, out this way. And if we're able to do that, then some of these Chicago horses that may have been uh, standing and out in the field for a while and getting a rest uh, will be able to get a qualifier or two under their belts. Otherwise, I definitely look for horses coming back in the spring that, uh, that have been active and uh, racing somewhere else. You know, one of the things that uh, one of the seasoned gamblers uh, down at Hawthorne Racecourse told me, and I thought he brought up a pretty good point as far as the handicapping goes. We were talking about how there were so many big prices at Hawthorne, and, and a lot of these races were you know, kind of unpredictable, which is great for payoffs, but he had an interesting theory on it. He said, you know, unlike Balmoral, first of all, there's no open stretch at Hawthorne, and so the drivers, in a lot of cases, when they're driving contenders, feel that they have to be a little bit more aggressive. So you see a lot of movement, particularly between the half and three quarters. And then, you know, listen, when you get down to that eighth pole, these horses that have just basically been sitting there on the inside or, or on the outside or just drafting along, some of these long shots just catch the speed that's breaking down. Do you kind of see it like that? Well, definitely. It's it's a long, long stretch uh, when you look down at, at Hawthorne, and uh, I'm sure some of those horses uh, weren't feeling too uh, too uh, frisky when they uh, looked for uh, to, for home. And uh, you saw it quite a bit, I think. Horses just drifting off the rail and uh, opening up spots for even though there was no passing lane. Lead horses had a, had a little bit of a tough time holding on. They tend to drift off and to the outside when they're getting tired. That opened up great spots and. You mentioned all the action from the, the half to the three quarters. I think just about every race they were spanned out three and four wide turning for home, and, and that was great to see, great for the fans and, and great for the gamblers. Certainly. Now, Tom, um, you know, we all know 
the plight of Illinois racing. I mean, I was in Michigan for 10 years, and I've seen pretty much the same thing, where you've got casino interests just uh, too darn strong to get anything done legislatively. And, uh, of course, at the end of December, we had, uh, you know, a couple of staples, tracks that have been around a long time in the Chicagoland area, Maywood Park and, and Balmoral Park, call it quits after the 2015 season. Do you see any kind of scenario going forward where maybe we can see Maywood and Balmoral back in action? You know, right now I, I, I'd like to say that uh, there's that possibility just because they hold so much history to the, uh, the racing here in Illinois. But I just don't see it happening right now. And uh, I think our focus has to be on doing the absolute best we can do for Hawthorne, making that as successful as we can for the horsemen and for the fans. And all our concentration and efforts have to be right there. And uh, if anything, if anything, if it comes out anything like it did for this winter, I think we've got nothing but good things ahead. Tom Kelly, uh, the Director of Harness Operations at Hawthorne. Tom, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, and we're looking forward to the uh, Hawthorne Harness Meet in May. It should be a lot of fun. Oh, most definitely, Michael. And uh, the DC 2016 uh, ICF Stake Series was just announced today. People can find that up on the uh, U.S. Trotting website or the uh, Hawthorne website. Also, be coming back when we uh, come back into action. Uh, Race Secretary Pete Hanley has a uh, slew of uh, series uh, carted out so uh, hopefully that will help attract some of the uh, stables from out of state and hopefully the horse population will support it we'll be back to racing five nights a week again at Hawthorne come May Tom we certainly appreciate you joining us and we'll have you on uh, sometime in April to uh, talk about the May meet sounds great Michael you did a great job and uh, appreciate the uh, call Ryan Macedonio here and this week on the Trotcast my special guest interview is Jimmy Bernstein Jimmy Bernstein won the 2015 Little Brown Jug when his Michigan Wolverines defeated the Minnesota Golden Gophers 29-26 in an epic battle to win this 100-year-old rivalry. Oh, oh. Sorry, folks, wrong Little Brown Jug. Download the Trotcast now and find out which Little Brown Jug Jimmy did win. to Post Time with Mike and Mike, Mike Carter, alongside of Justin Horowitz. And Justin, it was fun to hear Tom Kelly talk about uh, the things that are upcoming uh, this season. And I've seen that the stake schedule was approved uh, yesterday. And I'll tell you, they had a lot of fun out there at Hawthorne. I know Mike Bozich had a lot, a lot of fun out there. It's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, you know, Chicago is such a great harness market, and it, uh, it needs to be – um, on the map, we we need to have Chicago racing. We need to have as much of it as possible. And you know that they're great fans there. They they love the sport. The horsemen are really uh, dedicated. And so many great horse people have come from Chicago and Illinois over the years. And uh, you know the Teatrix and Andy and Julie Miller. And um, you know it's just so wonderful that they were back. And it was a great meet. It was uh, a lot of uh, optimism there. And um, you know hopefully April can't come soon enough for everyone out in Chicago. Yeah, definitely. I know some of those guys are going out to like Hoosier Park and other places like that. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, come May. Well, Justin, uh, we've got a couple more minutes left in the show. Uh, do you guys have anything exciting coming up at the Meadowlands this weekend? 
oh, there's always something exciting coming up in the Meadowlands. Uh, you know, we've had four straight nights of $3 million-plus handles, um, which hasn't happened in, in over a decade. So, um, you know, our racing has been phenomenal this winter. Um, there's been full fields, competitive fields. You know, last Friday we had that carryover in the pick five, uh, which – uh, produced a $109,000 payoff in a, on a 50-cent pick-five ticket. So, you know, those are the opportunities that gamblers have at the Meadowlands every weekend. And, uh, you know, just looking forward to great racing. And if people are in the area, they want to come out. It's Valentine's Day weekend, so we have some special uh, dinner packages going on. And, uh, you know, it should be a lot of fun. You know, Dustin, there's one place when I get out there for the British Crown that I cannot wait to try out or at least see and that's the rooftop at the Meadowlands. Can you can you talk? I know you've probably been up there a couple of times. Can you tell us a little bit about what that view is like up there? Yeah, you know, um, it's uh, a rooftop terrace that um, is, you know, the best place to watch the races in the summer when it's nice weather. Um, but you're on top of the building. Uh, there's bars up there, and and on one side you've got the racetrack, and you know you've got a fantastic view of the of the track. And on the other side of the roof, you've got the view of the New York City skyline. So uh, it's really been. Um, you know, the most popular place, especially for young people to come out, um, you know, every, every weekend in the summer, um, you know, there's couches up there and, and tables and you'll see lots of groups of young people having drinks, having food, watching the races, betting the races, and just having a great time. It's such a unique venue. Um, you know, there's no other place that offers, you know, that kind of view and, and with the excitement of horse racing right in front of you. Well, Justin, we certainly appreciate you uh, taking time out of your busy day to, uh, come on the show and, uh, fill in for Mike Bozich this week. Uh, it's definitely appreciated. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Anytime, uh, whenever one of the mics isn't, uh, isn't available, I'm happy to jump in. It's been a lot of fun today. Well, for Justin Horowitz, I'm Michael Carter. We've reached the end of our uh, Post Time with Mike and Mike show. We'll be back next Thursday. We're going to continue with our first post of 1 o'clock, at least for the next couple of weeks. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. But Mike Bozich will be back next week. We hope that you've enjoyed this uh, broadcast, and we'll see you next week. First post, 1 o'clock. Have a good one.